Well, we start a brand new series today, and uh, our first series of the new year is always in alignment with a theme that we have uh, throughout the church for the year. And last year, we started a series called By Faith, because our theme for last year was we were going to walk by faith and not by sight. And all that we did, uh, the decisions that we made, uh, uh, what went into our services, went into that theme, we walk by faith and not by sight. Well, this year, the theme's going to be a little different. It's called Fill Me Up, and, uh, and you'll hear a little bit more about why we chose this theme and, uh, and, and what goes into it this year. Um, but we're going to start this brand new series uh, today called Fill Me Up, and I'm, uh, I'm kind of pumped up and excited about it because uh, of, of what God has been doing in my life, and, uh, and I believe God wants us for a church as well, what, what we're going to be talking about. Over the next six weeks, we're going to be dealing in this, in this uh, topic. But before we get into really what we're going to talk about today, there's a quick video I want you to watch. So uh, take a look at this. Mike, come on! Mike, what is your deal, oh, man? Oh, come on, man. You've been riding me all day. Mike, you're playing like Betty White out there. That's not what your girlfriend said. Oh, baby! Oh, 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 Snickers. Better? You're not you when you're hungry. Snickers satisfies. So that, that's like one of my all-time favorite commercials. I remember when that came out, I used to love it. Normally, I don't like commercials, but that was super funny. Not what your girlfriend says. Love that line. Uh, but, uh, but anyway, so this, this series of commercials, and there was a few others. There was one in the car where somebody acted like a diva. And the whole premise behind these commercials was that somebody was not themselves because they were hungry, and they became a different person. And it started this, uh, this phrase that kind of uh, uh, went all over, and if you go to the Urban Dictionary, that uh, wonderful, truthful place that you can go to, uh, then there's a, there's a word called hangry. Hangry. And what it means is a cross between hungry and angry. And so the guy who was there was hangry because he wasn't himself because he didn't eat and he acted more like Betty White than himself. And so there are some people here today, I know that you get hangry. When you get hungry, you get angry, right? So do we have anyone who want to admit to themselves today that you get hangry? So you guys over there, here's a Snickers bar for you right there. Anyone else get hangry? Uh, there we go. Up there. Watch the baby. Anyone else get hangry here this morning? You just want a Snickers bar. There we go. I doubt you guys get hangry. I don't know. But anyway, so what the whole Snickers commercial is, is give yourself a Snickers so you don't get hangry. And, uh, and there are many people today. Did you notice my wife lifted up her hands this morning? She ultimately is the ultimate hangry person. I have learned the secret to a happy marriage over the 12 and a half years we've been married. And this is the secret. If she says she's hungry, find the nearest place I can feed her and everything's going to be fine. If I says no, then things are going to turn downhill pretty fast. But anyway, there, so there are people who get hangry. When you get empty inside, when you get hungry, you kind of change the person that you are. But I want to introduce you to another term this morning. A new term is a term that I made up, and uh, maybe someone else has used it before, but I didn't make it up. And uh, the term is a hangry Christian. And I want to ask you this morning, are you a hangry Christian? Is your spirit filled up or is your spirit empty? 
And if your spirit is empty, then how do you act and how do you respond to that? Are you somebody, you become somebody that, that you don't even recognize when your spirit is empty? How do you respond when you have an empty spirit? See, an empty spirit will always cause you to act and think in ways that are contrary to your normal countenance. Always act, cause you to act in different ways to who you really are. The real person who Christ has created and designed to be, when you get spiritually hangry, it's almost like an imposter comes in and you are not the same person that Christ designed you to be. On an empty spirit, your faith dries up. You no longer start to believe in the things that you used to believe. You no longer intently believe God can do what you once thought God can do. On an empty spirit, your hope for tomorrow always loses out to the fear of today. On an empty spirit, temptation becomes overbearing and very hard to resist. On an empty spirit, our judgment becomes blurry. And we start listening to the crowd and what the crowd says instead of what Jesus says. On an empty spirit, the power of Christ within you is replaced by just weak religion. That's what happens with an empty spirit when you become hangry. And some of you this morning, you may have filled spirits. You may be filled and God has filled you up and you are overflowing with the goodness of God and the joy of God. But there are many of you here today and you have empty spirits. And it's not for lack of trying. Because often what happens with an empty spirit is our spirit starts to empty and we don't even realize it. So I've been on this journey for the last couple of years that, I'll be honest, has been like the hardest two years uh, of my life as a leader and as a pastor. Just, just different things going on. It's been really tough. And so I want to show this morning kind of some of the things that's been going on with me because it's a good illustration what happens in our lives when, when, when sometimes our spirit becomes empty. And so what happens is we, we, we come to Jesus in faith and, and we have these kind of filled up spirits and, and, and we're filled up and we're not empty and we're on fire for Jesus. Uh, but what happens is as the week goes on, we come to church, we get filled up or we read our Bible and we pray and we get filled up and, and we're on fire for Jesus and we're ready for Jesus. And what, what happens often is, is we'll go to work and something will happen and, 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 and it will start to empty us. Uh, and then maybe the kids are playing up and, and, and we're a little exasperated with them. And so it starts to empty us. Uh, and, then, uh, and, and then the bill comes in and uh, the problems start happening. We start to worry about money and they start to empty us. So now we don't have as, as much as what we could. And so what happens is what we were filled up with starts to go down a little bit and a little bit. And then... As a pastor, this is what happens with, with, with me. Many of you, you come on a Sunday and you get filled up. And, and, and while we, we, we come and we're family together, often what happens for a leader in a church is Sunday is the day they get drained. 
And uh, not all the time, but sometimes it happens. And so what happens is, and it's not bad things, but, but somebody comes up to you and says, you know, I'm going through a really hard time. Will you pray with me? And you pray with them. And what happens, the spirit inside of you empties a little. And, 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 then, and then somebody, you know, is angry because there's not enough M&Ms. And so, so it fill, empties you a little bit. Uh, and, and then you get a call that the pipes in the kids' building froze over the week, and we were panicking where we were going to have church today. But luckily, they all unfroze, and praise God. But still, empties you just a little bit. And then you think about all the snow that came, and you're like, oh, man, we got to pay for a snowplow. And so uh, it empties you a little bit. And then what happens is that people come to you, and they're like, as a pastor and as a leader, they, they want you to fill them up because you, you, you seem to be wiser even though you're not. You seem to be. And, uh, and, they, and they start to fill you, want to be filled up. So you fill them up. And what happens is the spirit inside of you goes down just a little and a little. And you become emptier and emptier and emptier. And then what happens to the person who complained about the M&Ms is then they come back to you and they say, you know what? You're just not filling me up enough. Those M&Ms just aren't enough. There's not enough blue M&Ms in the M&Ms. I'm not happy with you because you're not providing what I need. I need more blue M&Ms. So it fills you, empties you and fills them up just a little bit more. But what happens is then that person comes to you and says, you know what? I, I went home after Sunday church and I had issues with my kids. And then I had issues with my spouse. And then I went to work on Monday morning and my boss was a big jerk. And then I got a bill in the mail and you says that God always provides, but I can't make my mortgage payment this month. And now that person is empty. And then what happens is then often in church life and in Christianity, and I, because I've done the same myself. We come back and you're like, okay, it's the church's fault. I'm not getting enough out of the church. I'm not getting enough out of the pastor. He's not filling me up. The worship band not filling me up. They didn't sing my favorite worship song this week. And then the kids area just draining me. And now they expect me to, to, to give. And there's not enough M&Ms in the M&M jar, especially blue M&Ms. And so this is what happens. I'm not filled up. I am going to look elsewhere to be filled up. And that is what you call a hangry Christian right there. And then what it leaves is hangry pastors, which isn't very good. And you've seen some of them on TV, right? They shout and they sweat and everything, and they're going crazy. And they say some things that they shouldn't say. But that's what happens in life. And very often, when we get hungry and we get empty in our spirit, this is what we automatically do. Well, I need a vacation. I need a break. I even need to step back. I need to quit. I need to, 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 to think and spend some time by myself. And that's all very well. And I believe in resting. And I believe there's a time to step back. There's a time to quit. And there's a time for yourself. However, while rest is good and godly and required... Rest is not the solution to your hangry problem. Let me tell you what is the solution to your hangry problem. It's found in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 to 20. It says this, So be careful how you live. 
The Apostle Paul is writing to the church. He's not writing just to pastors or leaders. He's writing to the church, which means all the believers, all of us. All of us together, he's writing to us. So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. So now he's going to tell us how to live like the wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves and making music to the Lord in their hearts and give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So this is how the wise live. They don't get drunk with wine but they choose to be filled with the Holy Spirit. The solution to your hangry problem, your empty problem, your empty spirit, is to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, a person who is physically hungry. And I don't know if you've ever been spirit, uh, physically hungry. Some of you, you know, you've gone like three hours without a meal and you're like, oh, I've experienced terrible hunger. What you really need is food. But what happens to people who don't eat for a while is they get tired. And so instead of eating, all they want to do is sleep. All they want to do is lay down and rest. If you've ever fasted for a while, you lose the hunger and you just get tired and you just want to sleep. That's all you want to do. But the solution to your hunger isn't sleep, even though that's all, what, that's all that you want to do. The solution to your hunger is what? To eat. So that you can fill your body up, your physical body, to get the energy to do what you need to do. And the same is true for the follower of Jesus. When your spirit is empty, it is not sleep you need. It is to be filled up. You are hungry, not sleeping. And so the Bible tells us here that we are to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now Jesus, before Jesus left this earth, Jesus was resurrected from the dead and he spent some time with his disciples. And then when he ascended up into heaven, the disciples were kind of left from themselves and then the church was formed. And Jesus promised those that followed him when he would leave that the Holy Spirit would come and be their guide and their comforter. This is what Jesus said in Acts chapter 1 verse 4. It says, So when the disciples, sorry, once when Jesus was eating with them, he commanded, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised. As I told you before, John baptized you with water, but in just a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? Jesus replied, the Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, and they are not for you to know. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling 
people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. This is what Jesus is saying to the disciples. The disciples are all concerned about all these different things. And Jesus is saying this, that is not for you to know. That is not your business. But this is what your business is, to be filled with the Holy Spirit. That is the business of the follower of Jesus. And the reason you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit is because Jesus says, then you will be my witnesses to the nations. You'll be able to go into Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth if you have the Holy Spirit, if you are filled with the Holy Spirit. So this is really what should happen in our lives. See, often we go to church hoping to be filled. Maybe we switch on the TV and watch some TV preacher hoping to be filled. Maybe we put on our favorite worship song hoping to be filled. Maybe we do a Beth Moore study. Remember those? Hoping to be filled. And while it may fill us a little bit, it still leaves us pretty empty. But this is what we need. We need direct access to the Holy Spirit. Because when we do that, the Holy Spirit fills and fills and fills and fills and fills and fills. And And then what happens is you go to work Monday morning and your boss is a jerk. And then what happens on Monday morning is your kids are playing up and they won't go to school. And then you come back from work on Monday and you get that bill in the mail and you're like, how are we going to make it? And you're empty. But then you get down to pray and you say, God, fill me up. And the Holy Spirit comes and fills you and it fills you and it fills you. And now you are full again. No more hungry Christian at all. See, that is what God wants us to do. He wants to fill us with the Holy Spirit. Now, when we say Holy Spirit, there's lots of people who get anxious because they think crazy stuff when the Holy Spirit is about. But the Holy Spirit is about as, as much about Christianity as Jesus' birth and Jesus' death. Without the Holy Spirit, you as Christians cannot be effective. See, the disciples were told to wait for the Holy Spirit for they were going to be filled. Jesus said that they would be baptized in the Holy Spirit, meaning they would be immersed with the Holy Spirit, covered with the Holy Spirit, and changed by the Holy Spirit. Now, in your life, there are two versions of you. There is the materialistic version of you, and then there is the spirit of you. The materialistic version and the spirit. Another word for the materialistic version is matter. You are made of matter. The great preacher and author, A.W. Tozer, said this about the difference between matter and spirit. He said this. It's kind of a long quote, so you can follow along on the screen. Matter is one mode of being. Spirit is another mode of being. As authentic as matter. Material things have certain characteristics. For instance, they have weight. Everything that is material weighs something. It yields to gravitational pull. Then matter has dimensions. You can measure the thing if it is made of matter. It has shape. It has an outline of some sort. No matter whether it is a molecule or an atom or whatever it may be. On up to the stars that shine. 
then it is extended in space. So I say that weight, dimension, shape, and extension are the things that belong to matter. Now, what is the Holy Spirit, Tozer says? Not who, but what? The answer is that the Holy Spirit is a being dwelling in another mode of existence. He has not weight, nor measure, nor size, nor color, nor extension in space, but he nevertheless exists as surely as you exist. The Holy Spirit is not enthusiasm. So for all those who are concerned, Holy Spirit, oh no, it's like freaky stuff, I see. It's not enthusiasm. I have found enthusiasm, Toza says, that hummed with excitement and the Holy Spirit was nowhere to be found there at all. And I found the Holy Ghost where there has been not much of what we can call enthusiasm. Neither is the Holy Spirit another name for genius. We talk about the spirit of Beethoven and say, this or that artist played with great spirit. The Holy Spirit is none of these. Now, what is he? He is a person. Put that down in capital letters, that the Holy Spirit is not only a being having another mode of existence, but he is himself a person with all the qualities and powers of personality. He is not matter, but he is substance. So what Tozer is telling us here, that there are two worlds. There's the world of matter that you can measure, that you can weigh. And some of you stand on the scales in the morning and you know what weight is all about. You know what shape is all about. And then there is another world, it's spirit. And this spirit world, you cannot measure by weight or shape. You cannot see it physically, but it exists no matter what. And the way that we measure matter is something that is very known to us. If we want to weigh something, we put it on scales. If we want to see how high or low something is, we get a measure. If we want to see how bright something is, we, 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 could, we use something called aluminums. That is matter. But the problem is with spirits is we do not use the things that we use in our normal life to measure the spirit. So going back to having an empty spirit, so often we want to fill our spirit with the things that we can measure. But your spirit cannot be measured. And the Holy Spirit certainly cannot be measured in the way that we believe it can be measured. The way we view the spirit should be very different to how we view matter. The way we receive a filled spirit is to access what we need through the spirit. So if you are hungry, the solution to your hunger is to take matter that we call food and eat it. If your physical body is hungry, you take something physical to feed it. If your spirit is empty, then you need something of the spirit to fill it. A filled spirit cannot be measured with weight or time. A filled spirit cannot be bought at a store, unfortunately. 
A filled spirit cannot be accessed through disciplined, healthy living. You can do all the yoga you want and it won't fill your spirit. A filled spirit is not gained through performing good deeds. A filled spirit can only be accessed through one avenue. And I'm here to tell you today, this is what that avenue is. And it's called prayer. Prayer. That's the only way you can access a filled spirit. Now, going back to the moment where Jesus left his disciples, he ascended to heaven. We see that the disciples decided to make a very important decision. And it's a decision that changed the course of history as we know it. Instead of going home and, 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 and making up a plan, okay, what do we do now? This is what they did. The first thing they did, they went home and they prayed. And they prayed. Acts chapter 1, verses 12 to 14 says this. Then the apostles returned to Jerusalem from the Mount of Olives, a distance of half a mile. When they arrived, they went to the upstairs room of the house where they were staying. Here are the names of those who were present. Peter, John, James, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judas, son of James. They all met together and were constantly united in prayer, along with Mary, the mother of Jesus, several other women, and the brothers of Jesus. Notice what their attitude was and what, what they were doing. The first thing that they did when Jesus ascended to heaven, they were now on their own. They were united in prayer. Prayer became part of the DNA of their church. Now, this is what I know from looking at just and, and, and knowing so many different believers over the last 38 years of my life. Many Christians do not know how to pray. Many Christians do not know how to pray. Many Christians say prayers. Many Christians think they know how to pray, but they don't know how to pray. This is why we are so used to praying for our needs, praying for our needs. We have a need and we pray for it. Somebody else has a need and we're like, okay, well, we need to pray. Let's, let, let's pray. And so often our prayer life becomes a needs-based prayer life. But our first prayer should not be for our needs. But our first prayer should always be this. Lord, fill me with your spirit. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. A healthy church community always starts with praying saints. And what I mean by praying saints you may not feel like a saint this morning, but if you are a believer of Jesus and you've accepted Jesus Christ in your life, then you are a saint. Because one day you will get to heaven and heaven will rejoice and there will be a party in heaven when you get there and you will be a saint. A praying saint. When you take the praying saints out of the church, you will find very quickly that the fire of God leaves. And when the Holy Spirit leaves, you are no longer getting filled up. And instead, it becomes a place full of hangry Christians. Now, I love to eat. And I love to watch my wife cook because often she's cooking for me. And salads are great, right? But there's nothing like a hot, meaty meal, right? Like, like, like 
like a steak dinner with potatoes or a hot chili or something on a cold day. Sounds so good, right? Well, what's the first thing that you do before, you know, you can actually start to cook? You get all the ingredients together. You got to switch on the stove. Think yourself in July right now, right? You got your shorts on, you got some steaks, and you decide to go out, switch the grill on, put the steaks on the grill. Sounds so good, right? What we would give for that right now. But what's the first thing that you do? You light the grill. You need fire in order to cook. And as believers of Jesus Christ, you need the fire of God in your life in order to ignite God within you so that you can be filled. The act of prayer and specifically praying for the Holy Spirit is turning on the fire to the Spirit. That's what you're doing. When you are praying for the Holy Spirit and asking God to fill you with the Holy Spirit, this is what you're doing. You are lighting the fire so the master chef can come and fill you up. That's what you're doing. Now let me turn you to Luke chapter 11. Luke chapter 11, verses 9 to 13, and we're almost done. I'm going to read a verse here that many of you know. If you've been in church long enough, you know this verse. But this verse is a verse that so many people have taken out of context and used in so many bad ways. And this is what it says. And so I tell you, Jesus said, keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks, receives. Everyone who seeks, finds. And everyone who knocks the door will be opened. Now I'm going to pause there for a moment, because this is why this verse has been so dangerous in Christianity, especially over the last, say, 30 years. Because you have so many preachers and different people who come up and says, look, Jesus says, whatever you ask, whatever you seek, whatever you knock, God will give it to you. Ask for anything and God will give it you. And they say it's by faith that, 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 that God will give it you. And if you don't have enough faith, then you're not asking enough. And that's what they'll say. And so many people have lost their faith because of this verse, because it's been taken out of context. Because they've asked and they've not received. They've sought God and they prayed and they prayed and they prayed and they've not got. They've knocked on the door of God, but they haven't got it, what, what they asked for. And so many people have lost their faith because this verse has been taken out of context. And this is why you should never just take a verse by itself. Let's continue reading and actually see what Jesus said. This is what he said. Verse 11. You fathers... If your children ask for a fish, do you give them a snake instead? Or if they ask for an egg, do you give them a scorpion? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give, and here's the word, the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? This is what Jesus is saying here. He's saying that I want to give you good gifts. And this is what I believe is a good gift. 
What God is saying, the Holy Spirit. See, so often we come to God and we ask for a raise. Or we ask for a perfect wife or a perfect man to sweep us off our feet. We come and ask God that God will change our devil children into perfect children. And we ask for this and we ask for that. We ask God that he will grow our hair on their head again. Or stop my hair turning gray. But that isn't a good gift. See, we start asking for the wrong things. Because we need this, we need that, we need this. But what Jesus is saying, he's saying if you ask for the good gift, I will give it you. And the good gift is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. Jesus is saying, I want to fill you. I want to give to you. I want to empower you. And the reason the, the, the word Holy Spirit sometimes sends a shiver down so many people's spine is because we've taken the Holy Spirit out of context. I, I'm from, uh, my background is a Pentecostal background. I would call myself a Pentecostal. But so often we, we, we've taken enthusiasm and, 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 and what we want to see in this exuberant kind of church and called it Holy Spirit. And that isn't a Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit is about filling you within you, empowering you so that you can be a witness for Jesus Christ to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the outermost parts of the world. That is what the Holy Spirit is. Now I want to ask you today, in accordance with what Luke says, when Jesus says, when you ask and seek and knock, and I will give it to you if you ask for something good, and that's the Holy Spirit. When was the last time you asked for God to fill you with the Holy Spirit? When was the last time you asked God to fill you with the Holy Spirit? Compare that to the last time you asked God to help make your checkbook balance or help you work out your spouse or help you have patience with your kids or help you get a better job. Our first prayer should always be, God, fill me with your Holy Spirit. Why? Because there is a world that is wanting to empty you and keep emptying you and emptying you and emptying you. And when you get an empty spirit, you become a hangry Christian. And do you know what hangry Christians are good for? Nobody. It's impossible to become an effective follower of Jesus without the Holy Spirit. You cannot live out the purposes of God that he has for you without the Holy Spirit. You cannot complete the mission of Jesus without the Holy Spirit. You will never be able to stay long enough on this tough journey of faith without the Holy Spirit. Spirit, And that is why our first prayer should always be, Lord, fill me up. Lord, baptize me, immerse me, cover me, light a fire within me. But let your Holy Spirit fill my empty spirits. That should always be our first prayer. Let's bow our heads in prayer.